Welcome everyone to the Ken Hill Podcast. I'm Ken Hill. My goal with the podcast is to share the techniques and habits of what the best motorcycle riders in the world do to thrive and survive in a sport that has consequences. Using my 20 plus years of riding and training at the highest levels, I wanna make these techniques and habits accessible to every rider in the world. The podcast structure is deliberate. I don't have sponsors. The duration relative to many other podcasts is short making it simple to listen multiple times, and I only release a new podcast when I feel I have something to share. I'm not cranking out podcasts because my sponsors say I need to. You listeners are my sponsors, and I appreciate the donations, which can be made via the podcast page on my website, khcoaching.com. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome to the Ken Hill Podcast. I'm Ken Hill, and this is podcast number 81. We've had uh, quite quite a bit of uh, in-depth topics with the last uh, podcast, so I thought we'd do something a little bit different on this one, a little bit um, more uh, lighthearted and uh, and quite the trip down uh, memory lane. And this is something I, I get asked this actually quite a bit. And I and trust me, I get it. And once you listen to this list, you'll uh, you'll certainly understand uh, how I how I get the whole uh, passion for um, uh, motor motorcycles and motorsports and gearhead and all that. Because I am a total gearhead. But one of the things I've I've tried to work and I've had to work hard at this. So don't don't think that it's something easy that just comes naturally. But you have to separate the gearhead part from the riding part. Uh, and I'm just as much a geek uh, as anyone else. Probably worse, actually. Uh, when I look at um, new models and all the features and all the all the specs of the bikes, because it's something that I, I do as well. Um, yeah, there's nothing more fun than, than, you know, some of the new models or even some of the, the old models. And this is this this list here is quite the trip down uh, memory memory lane. So what this is, what this list is, is essentially of all the bikes I've I've owned, um, or all the bikes that I've at least I've at least raced, and pretty much every bike that I've raced uh, I've I've owned, and um, there's a there's a few in here that when I go through the list that uh, uh, I'll mention if it's one that I was riding for riding for someone. So, all right. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's just do it. Let's just get into this. So uh, there's quite a few. Uh, there's twenty. There's twenty plus on this list. So let's just dive into it. So the first bike I ever owned, I uh, bought brand new, was a 1993 Honda F2, and I bought from the dealership. And uh, it was my it was my first bike. It was a California model, and uh, I thought I thought it was the fastest thing a person could ever throw their leg over. And later on, as I got into racing it, uh, it made, it made a whopping 77 horsepower California model F2 on uh, Mike Canfield's dyno. And uh, of course I didn't know anything about the California spec versus whatever spec and different cams and all this stuff. I just knew this thing was fast and, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was not. And, uh, taking this bike all through, uh, the different levels. What a what a disaster! Learning how to to, to work on this thing, uh, taking the emissions equipment off, and you know updating it and figuring it all out. 
um, raced it stock the first year. Uh, I did have a revalved uh, rear shock from Jim Lindemann and a fork from Jim Lindemann. Otherwise, the bike was 100% stock, and uh, we just we just uh, rode the thing. Um, it ended up losing a transmission. Uh, had to have a, a new transmission put in, and a little bit of engine work done where we put 49 state cams in the thing, and um, it made I think it made 92 horsepower then, and I couldn't believe how fast it was. Uh, at that point, so yeah, the F2 was uh, was a was a crazy bike uh, for me, and that was the start of it. So as I got into the racing thing, then the second bike that I, I bought was a um, Honda Super or Honda Hawk, right? NT650, and I took it as a bone stock street bike, and um, completely screwed it up. Uh, just just went nuts with everything on it, and I did race it. Uh, it was slow, stock motor, um, handled incredibly well. And uh, that was one of the bikes where I spent hours and hours and hours uh, basically screwing it up in the garage. And I ended up selling it as a race bike uh, to somebody. I think I only raced it maybe half a year or a year or something like that, but um, a little bit of a disaster there. And as I got better, uh, Mike Canfield offered me um, a ride on his, uh, the, the only bike that I've ever, that, that ever had a name. And uh, this bike was affectionately called the Pumpkin. And it had a pretty crazy paint job on it. And it was a Honda F2 slash F3 hybrid. And uh, I raced this bike for a year, uh, another exceptional, exceptional motorcycle. Um, I think at the time we had a Lindemann front end and I think it had a Fox shock on it. Uh, so that was kind of a cool thing. Uh, uh, just that, ty- that type of technology back then. Um, also a bike I did extremely well on. Um, of course, you know the bike was so fast uh, for a Honda F2, F3 back then. Um, pretty, pretty cool. And then after that, uh, this this actually ranks right up there with one of my favorite bikes. I'm, I'll, I'll kind of hit the list up at the end. 1996 GSXR 750. Holy crap! What I mean, this thing. I can't even begin to tell you what an advancement this motorcycle was. And same thing, it was um, uh, revalve front end, revalve shock. Uh, we put a pipe on it uh, and uh, Mike Canfield um, jetting with the, um, with the carburetors. And that was it. I mean, it was, it was incredible how stock we could, we could leave this bike. I won my first uh, AFM Formula Pacific race on this bike. And it was incredible, incredible motorcycle. Um, it's just, yeah, everything worked really well on it. Uh, never broke. Um, and just just worked just worked um, so much performance back in back in the day uh, with that bike. After that, I took a little bit of a break from riding, and uh, this is when uh, I was full blown, uh, you know, working uh, in the car industry. Uh, family was coming along, so I decided I'm going to stop racing for a couple of years. And, um, but I wanted to do track days because track days were just starting kind of then. So I bought a 1997 RF900 and, um, thought, yeah, you know, I might do a little street riding on this thing and all that, do track days. It never saw the street, put it on the track, realized what a great motor this bike had. And then, um, I couldn't help myself. Uh, I started you know, just enjoying my life on it, uh, but couldn't help myself and ended up going through this radical, change on this uh, gigantic, basically, sport touring bike that ended up racing 
and came close to winning the AFM uh, open production class on this thing, uh, it got completely out of hand, completely out of hand. Um, Revalve front end, shock. I think I made my own rear sets. Uh, we did a bunch of jetting work on it, uh, wheels, blah. Oh my God, it was out of control. Dumbest thing I've ever done. Uh, but it was also pretty cool. So that was, that was RF 900. Then again, as I took a little bit of a break and I, I decided in, in the year in 2000 to get serious and ended up buying a Honda F4. And I'd done a little bit of endurance racing on a Honda Superhawk, a VTR 1000. And this was 2000, and basically this F4, uh, again, had um, Lindemann suspension. Uh, Mike uh, fixed the jetting issues that were that I inherited with the bike. And Mike had already done a bunch of development work on the VTR 1000. And yeah, I, these these probably rank up as my favorite bikes. Um, I could do no wrong on these bikes. I ended up winning, I think, a couple of championships on the F4, a couple of, one championship at least on the VTR 1000. It was second in 750 Superbike on the VTR 1000. Um, yeah, could basically do no wrong on, um, on these bikes. And um, I remember that they, um, they I, I just didn't touch them. Um, changing oil, um, never really resetting suspension. I just rode them. And, then, and at the time, it was surprisingly how, it was surprising how fast I could go on those bikes. And it was, it was pretty nutty um, looking back at some of the lap times that we did uh, on those bikes. I was sponsored by Michelin at the time. Um, credible motorcycles, yeah. So it was, it was a 1999 F4, and I don't remember the year of the VTR 1000. It was a 98 or 99, I think. Um, VTR had a custom shock uh, where we did some ride height stuff with it. Never changed springs, never did anything, just shut up and ride it, and uh, the, bikes, the bikes worked. From there... Um, I got some interest uh, to ride an Aprilia Miele R. So I ended up buying this Miele R 2001 and um, incredible handling motorcycle. Actually um, led some Formula Pacific races on this bike. Holy crap, was it slow. It was, a slow, it was slower than my F4 by, by a long shot. Um, always ran hot. Um, we tried to build a motor for it. That was a gigantic disaster. Um, total Italian supermodel. Uh, total Italian supermodel at that at that thing, but an incredible handling bike. Um, uh, yeah, and it just it looked it looked incredibly sexy. What a what a nice motorcycle, but very very slow. So just like every other um, enthusiast in our industry, I ended up going uh, after that with a Ducati 998R, and um, I raced that a little bit. And and uh, again. What a what a fickle motorcycle! It either worked amazing or it didn't work, and I did well actually uh, on that bike at, in some of the, the AFM races. Won a bunch of open twin races with it, and, and actually podiumed in uh, Formula Pacific on that bike multiple times. Um, but what a fickle fickle motorcycle! Um, yeah, typical Ducati. Uh, handled actually handled pretty well for not being all that crazy. Um, I did have Olin's do a, a custom shock for it. Uh, the front end wasn't um, anything fancy, but um, it worked incredibly well. And then, as I owned, um, so I owned a, a Kawasaki dealership uh, for about five years. And I kind of went through a, a period of obviously owning Kawasaki's and racing them, various ZX6s and ZX9s, um, 
podiumed at uh, um, AFM on the ZX9, raced the ZX6 on and off. Um, we did a bunch of work for clients on the ZX6s, sold package deals for those bikes. Again, another really, really incredible um, bike. Turnkey, um, we kind of had the setup dialed on them, fork valving setup, and we, we knew what the shock uh, liked on them, it, what they liked for a shock. What a great motorcycle. Um, just a super, super robust bike, never broke. Um, great bikes, um, really good power on those bikes too for the time. Uh, the ZX-9 was um, a love-hate. Um, the biggest issue on that bike actually was weight. Uh, the motor wasn't bad. It, it was about 10, 10 horsepower down on some of the GSX-Rs at the time, um, but it made good torque. Uh, so, but weight was the biggest issue. So we, we really worked on getting the weight off that bike, and um, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, I could, I could race it at a pretty high level at AFM, and it wasn't, wasn't a bad motorcycle at all. Um, and some things on the bike were surprisingly stock um, that, that, worked, that worked well. So the next sort of set of bikes is what we started to get pretty serious with things. And after that, uh, was a 2004 GSX-R1000, and that was a great period of motorcycles for the, the GSX-Rs. And this bike, um, we really stepped up our, our game at, um, uh, at a AFM. This also was the debut of um, my uh, AMA racing. And it was, it was pretty interesting because this bike um, was, it was actually fairly embarrassingly stock. Um, pretty sure I had, um, yeah, we had uh, just like Olin's cartridges in the front and Olin's shock in the rear um, and just the normal bolt-on stuff. The motor was stock and it ran really well. You know, the whole power commander remapping deal, of course, Mike Canfield um, did all that work and it ran really well. It wasn't, it was again, a stock motor. We ended up doing some cam timing on that motor after the first part of the season, but um, yeah, the head had never come off that bike. And uh, I raced that bike for a full year, never changed the clutch. Um, this, is, this is back when Dave Stanton and I were really battling for the number one plate at AFM. And yeah, another, another I mean, this one's close to, this one was close to um, like the all-time favorite bike because it's also one that we could kind of do no wrong on. Uh, there were times I, I did struggle a bit with this, with this bike, but again, looking at the lap times for the, um, uh, for the period, it was, it was pretty insane how fast we were going on these things. Um, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Uh, very, very good motorcycle. Again, just incredibly stout, uh, pretty much could do no wrong on that bike as well. But the, you know, of course the pace was super high. From there, I got involved with Hondas. I had a dealership that wanted to help me out with some Hondas, and we ended up. I ended up selling the GSXR, and ended up going a little bit of a Honda route for a while. So I ended up with a 2005 CBR 1000 and a 2006 CBR 600. And the CBR, we tried running stock for a while, kind of stock, like super stock, and um, initially pretty dang quick on the bike. Super easy to ride. Um, but it just really lacked acceleration. Um, stable bike, handled well, but lacked acceleration. And so we ended up having to do some motor work to that bike and uh, it ended up being a very good motorcycle. Um, I ended up racing that bike in 2006 at, at some of the AMA races 
and um, went really quick on it, very, very quick. Actually, that year, 2006, up until about middle of the year, a little bit past middle of the year, I was actually leading four classes at AFM on that, both the, the Forum of the Pacific and um, Open Superbike, uh, and then the 600 classes as well. Uh, then I had a fall and screwed all that up. But um, yeah, the, that 2005 CBR 1000 was a very good bike. But but same thing, right? It, it was a, it was it, to perform well. It needed a lot of trick parts, a lot of maintenance. We ate transmissions on it. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a good bike. But but boy, a lot of work. The 2006 CBR 600 uh, was also incredibly stable bike. God, it handled so well. Slow. Slow. There was a whole. There's a whole backstory to that on on the motor work. We ended up um, building a motor for it. I bought a spare motor, built a motor for it, and the spare motor or the the built motor ended up being basically slower than the stock motor. Um, interestingly enough, a lot of friction issues in that bike. Uh, so we ended up running a stock motor with um, a little bit of a little bit of um, compression and um, cam timing. And that ended up being the best motor for that bike, but it was still slow. Got, it came off a corner great, um, but no top end, revved really slow. Um, another pretty favorite bike to ride, but not necessarily to, to race. So pretty big transition here. At, at this point was where coaching was starting to come, on, come into play. And I started uh, working with some of the things on coaching. My last bike that I raced was a 2007 GSX-R1000. And um, same thing, fairly stock bike. Uh, we did suspension on it. Um, I did race it. I did a lot of R&D for race tech at the time on that bike, forks and shock. Raced it with, um, with uh, revalve stock parts, won some races on it. Massive torque off that bike, holy smokes. I mean, just couldn't believe how much power that bike made. Um, no electronic aids, of course. Um, very, very powerful bike and um, very much enjoyed riding it. But And I won some races on it, but it wasn't really a pleasurable bike to ride, quite honestly. Um, fun bike, but yeah, not that great. And I ended up starting my coaching on that bike a little bit and then realized that that bike was a little bit too much. And I ended up buying a 2007 GSX-R 750 and did a lot of coaching on that bike for a few years. And same thing, that was another bike that we had it set up pretty well. Again, this is back. Mike Canfield was doing a lot of work for Valvoline Suzuki, and we knew where the bike worked. And that, same thing, I could ride that bike at a very slow pace. It worked well. I could run it at a very high pace. It worked well. Um, I could do two uprides on the bike, and it was typical GSXR. Just always worked. And um, yeah, that was a great bike. And I do miss that bike quite a bit. I would ride that bike today, no problem. Um, very, very good motorcycle. So then I started off when I was starting a little bit more with the Yamaha school, um, kind of getting into Yamahas a little bit. And I bought a 2009 R1 when they came out. And I also had a 2009 R6 that I bought wrecked. The R1, I left it 100% stock. We didn't do anything to it, um, nothing. And I rode it. And what a beast. Um, you know, that cross-plane motor was, was fun. Um, and I did a lot of coaching on that bike and enjoyed riding it immensely. Um, except it was slow. Oh my gosh, was it slow. Slow and heavy. Fun bike to ride, but slow and heavy. Ironically, you know, from, from working with clients, um, 
I didn't really have a problem like keeping up or anything along those lines with some of the faster riders. Uh, the open tracks, I struggled with that bike. Um, it was ironic because that was one of the best stock bikes I ever rode at um, Sears Point. It was a great bike at Sears Point for whatever reason. And I don't know if it was just the torque coming off the corners, um, but it worked really, really well at that track. And I went very, very quick on that bike for stock um, at, uh, at, at Sears Point slash Sonoma. And then the R6, R6 also a great bike, uh, 2009 R6, um, fairly stock as well. That was another bike that, again, could pretty much do no wrong on it. Um, typical R6, we did lose a motor in it. <laughs> and I uh, had that done. I rode it a bit. But for an instructor bike, it was, was not great because as I worked with a, a quicker client, I'm trying to keep up, getting traffic, and the, the 600s just don't work that well for it. But it was a very, very good motorcycle. Um, and again, that bike would be extremely, extremely relevant today. So then I kind of went back on the ZX, the, the Kawasaki route and um, went with um, uh, 2011 ZX10, 2012 ZX10, did some work for Cowie, um, did some work for Orleans on these bikes. And again, just a really great bike that we left very, very stock. And they were, they were what a powerful bike, um, super fun, um, had no, didn't have any issues with them. Really great motorcycles, excellent motorcycles. Um, and just, just again, lap dog these things. Um, so bunch of, bunch of great bikes, kind of, kind of soulless. Um, it's funny. I look at those bikes and I'm reading my list and I, re I remember, uh, riding them and they were great, but completely nondescript. Just, I mean, they're like, yeah, they're okay. Um, great motorcycles. I never had any issues with them. Um, responded well to changes, um, but yeah, there's just nothing really, really fancy about that. And then I went through, um, I wanted to try something a little bit different. And this is back, so this is when I, you know, was riding a lot of FZ1s at the schools. Um, so I had, I had a school bike that I was using. And ended up, I really, I really wanted this bike to work because I had done some um, development work for Buell back in the day with 1125. Um, and Nick Einachin also had, had done um, some things for Buell, and I was just such a fan of their passion. And um, yeah, I bought a 2015, I think, Buell 1190RS, and it, boy, did I want that bike to work. Man, did I want that bike to work. And I rode it, and I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it was super fun, just telepathic, you know, throttle to hand, hand turned incredibly well. Um, I never went that quick on the bike, <laughs> um, for whatever reason. And we did some fun things where we did some suspension work on it for Showa. Um, I even tried some Olin's like parts on it as well. Um, the brake was a big holdback on that bike for sure. Um, struggled with the brake. Um, really, really enjoyed that motorcycle. Um, was not a robust motorcycle. I had issues with electronics on it. Um, just not, not, not great boy, but man, did I want that bike to, ah, I just wanted that bike to, to, to be really good. Fun riding it when it worked well. Um, but, um, yeah, not a super robust bike, unfortunately. So a quick segue into all the FZ ones they rode, whether it was at, um, the Yamaha school, um, whether it's at the Yamaha school or even the FC10 at the Rick school, so many FC1s. We put 
literally tens of thousands of miles on multiple FC1s. And what an incredible bike. Uh, it was shocking how fast we could go on them. Uh, bone stock, bone stock uh, on Q2s at the time. Incredible how fast we could go on these motorcycles. And they, they also worked, um, they also ended up working pretty well. I rode some modified ones at the Rick schools. They also worked well, again, went super fast on them. The FC10, um, stock was not that great. Um, it, it mainly, honestly, on the electronics and the, the, the suspension. Once they were modified, the bike became extremely fun to ride. I, you know, again, put thousands and thousands and thousands of miles on the thing. Went very, very quick on that motorcycle uh, with Q3s, Q3 pluses at the time. And loved that bike, just loved it. But it did take quite a bit of modifications to make it work. Um, suspension, uh, we ended up doing a, some custom uh, ECU work on that bike and it responded incredibly well. I mean, why, you know, of course, why, why wouldn't it based on the motor that's in the thing? But um, super fun bike, uh, but did take a lot of modifications. Um, I also had a 2016 GSX-R1000, left it stock. Um, it was kind of late in 2016 and uh, rode it stock, great bike, um, super powerful. Um, it was, it was also going to be, uh, the new 17s were coming out. So we kept this bike pretty much stock and uh, rode it, didn't ride it that much actually, but also a very, very fun bike. Um, just a huge GSX-R fan. So that kind of leads me down the pathway of where I'm at now. And where I'm at now is I have a, a 2018 GSX-R1000R. Um, I also have a 2010 G6R600. Um, we just added a 2020 uh, ZX6 uh, as well. And these are bikes that are all relatively stock, like the, the 2010 G6R600. It's so slow, but handles incredibly well. It starts up every time, and um, it is just a very, very comfortable bike to ride. And it's just a typical GSXR, and so it, it's a very, very enjoyable bike to ride. Low maintenance, um, actually enjoy riding it. I enjoy riding it a lot. The 18 G6R1000, also fairly stock. Um, it has, uh, I, it's funny, I wrote it stock, said I'm not gonna change it, and of course, what do I do? Yeah, I change it, put a pipe on it, a Graves pipe. Um, it has a, a kind of a custom F, FTECU flash. Uh, upgraded the, the brakes, because the brakes um, absolutely suck. Uh, on uh, the GSX-Rs, um, so I upgraded the brakes, and that's really it. And that has been um, a really, really favorite bike of mine uh, as well. I love the electronics. It is so fast. <laughs> Every time I ride it, I just can't believe that you could still, you, you can buy something like this. Um, great electronics, amazing feel. Um, I'm, I'm very, very happy with this, with this bike. And it's, Honestly, this this the this G6R1000 is right right probably in the top five list of uh, all the bikes. Um, we also just added a 2020ZX6R. Uh, I don't have a lot of time on that bike yet. Um, only ridden it a few times, and I also really really like that bike uh, so far. Dirt bike wise, um, I did have um, a couple of XR100s, some KLX140s. Um, XR400, I uh, put a lot of time on that. And um, we, could, we could talk about those forever as well. But yeah, the typical modifications of the XR100s, 
um, having a lot of like um, our, our, our kind of our own group had our own little XR100 mods, KLX 140s, we went nuts with those. Um, really like those bikes as well. So yeah, a lot of motorcycles um, have come in, have come through uh, my garage and um, a lot of experience with that. And so yeah, kind of a little, bit, little bit of a trip down memory lane. So I guess if you're to put a gun to my head, you know, I, I don't know if I, I honestly don't know if I could choose. And I think you know this kind of goes back to as you as you get older. I mean, more mature. Um, I would probably pick. Um, yeah, the F4, the VTR 1000, or God, I don't know, even the, the 96 G6R 750. I, I don't know. Those were bikes that I just could do no wrong on, and we just didn't touch them, and we went incredibly fast on those bikes. Um, you know, you know some of the some of the best, I guess, analog bikes that that, that you could have. Incredible, incredible bikes. Um, if we were to fast forward to now, I would I would definitely pick the, the 2018 G6R 1000. Um, uh, there there <laughs> there may there may be a caveat to that later on um, when I get more time on the 2021 ZX10. That's not mine, um, but right now um, that is uh, that is sort of the top of my list. So, all right, there you go. A lot of motorcycles, um, a, just a little bit of a snippet on each bike. But uh, at least that gives everybody a, a glimpse of the bikes that I've owned and what we did with them. And um, this would be, it'd be fun to do an update on this, uh, this podcast in uh, a year or so, uh, looking at some of the, the more relevant bikes. And um, part of all, also this, um, I, I'd, I want to do a separate podcast on some of the cool other race bikes that I've ridden. Um, I've got a pretty good history with riding some of the Graves bikes, um, and then, you know, even riding some of the, um, the Valvoline slash M4 bikes. And so that there's, there's some fun stuff that'll go along there, but that we'll save that one for, uh, for another podcast. So, all right. Thanks for tuning in. Ken Hill podcast, 2021, all rights reserved.